like say if I'm traveling like in a car with some somebody else, you know, they're driving. So I, I can't trust them. When are we going to go to the bathroom? Are we going to get eat? Where are we going to drink something? Like I just bring everything with me. It's oh. not that I have trust issues, but I, <laughs> I take care of myself. <laughs> Initiations come in all shapes and sizes, from graduating with a formal degree, to becoming a parent, to losing a parent. We can't control what experience the universe sends us next, but we can meet each change with our full, honest selves. Alicia Connor inspires us with a story of taking a change and flowing with it on her own terms. This is Shame Piñata. I'm Colleen Thomas. Welcome to Shame Piñata, where we talk about creating rites of passage for real-life transitions. Sometimes we see change coming, and sometimes it's just kind of suddenly there. When it arrives without warning, it can create a numbing, a blocking out, a wanting to turn away. This is so human. The cool thing is that as humans, we are incredibly adaptive and creative, and oftentimes we will take actions to find our center again without even realizing that's what we're doing. Like cutting our hair after a breakup. That could be conscious, that could be unconscious, but either way, it's a step toward owning what's happening to us, owning the change. Alicia Connor joins us today to share a story of going with the flow of life, even when it flowed in a challenging direction. Alicia began to have some issues with her vision when she was 17. She saw some different health practitioners. They told her different things. Then there was a diagnosis and a realization that things were going to change. I got glasses when I was 17 because that's when my vision loss started, but I didn't know it was this genetic thing that was going to actually cause vision loss, like, ongoing. So when I was 17, I went to, like, your average eye store, whatever, eye world in Boston, and I was given this pair of glasses. And I remember the optometrist, he was like, he was like, do these do anything? Like there was a sense he was not confident that they did anything. It was basically like putting gl- clean glass mm. in front of my eyes. So like right. a hair to better. Right. Um, but I felt like, well, I'm driving. They help a little bit. So I should wear them. Right. And like what else? Like am I, I didn't know that I could say like I don't think they do anything because there was some difference. And he didn't seem to know enough to be like, if they're only helping you a little bit, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And I can maybe like refer you to somebody else or maybe you should see a like somebody else. But there was definitely a lack of confidence in his voice that I remember. Mm-hmm. Like his surprise. And then the reason why I went to the Rhode Island Eye Institute was... After when I was 19, I I went to get a second pair of glasses because I was like, you're supposed to get new glasses every so-and-so, whatever, right? And, you know, it seems like these aren't doing anything. And the optometrist that I went to at that time, she was hardcore. 
And she was like, I don't know. I can't figure it out. I can't correct you. There's nothing I can do. I don't know what's going on. She called the Rhode Island Eye Institute right then, and I was dilated. I was dilated, and I love it when people go out of their way and just go the next level. And she got me an appointment that day when I was dilated. Oh wow! So I literally just walked like twenty, thirty minutes to the place, and then was tested. Wow. The result of her test at the Rhode Island Eye Institute was a diagnosis of a genetic condition that would mean her vision would decline over time and that someday she would need to stop driving. A short time after Alicia received this diagnosis, a sudden opportunity came up to really change things up in her life. It involved a long drive, a long drive that would ultimately become her last drive. I actually remember my last drive as, like like an adventure, like it was fun. I was 19 and I just dropped out. A, fr- a good friend of mine from that I knew since fourth grade was going to school in Western Massachusetts and I was going to school in Providence, Rhode Island. But she asked me just before Thanksgiving uh, that year if I would be interested to move to San Francisco. And she was like, oh, by the way, I need to know in three days. so I was like okay I'm on it I'm thinking I'll get back to you and I knew like when she says three days then that means three days it doesn't mean five and I had made some awesome connections in Providence Rhode Island um, but not enough to like ground me there and there was enough challenging experiences that year uh to to not see like like a, a new chapter would be helpful at that time. And so I, I turned back and I told my friend after three days, yeah, let's do it. So we set the date for January 1st. We were going to um, leave the East Coast and start driving towards San Francisco. And what's interesting is around that time period, um, it was just uh, that year I had been um, diagnosed with hypoplasia of the optic nerve at the Rhode Island Eye Institute. And it was interesting that it was it was that year, right? Like I was diagnosed with this vision loss condition that was genetic and told like, I'm not going to be able to drive someday. But I didn't know when that was. And I could see well then and I could drive then. And so it wasn't a problem at that moment, but it was an eminent problem. I'm not going to be able to drive someday. That's a huge thing. Most of us expect to stop driving in our 80s, not some significant time before that. As I listened to Alicia's story, I began to wonder if this drive, this last drive, was a kind of rite of passage. It just kind of is interesting in hindsight, but looking back at the story that my life, that it was that year that I actually like, was there any thought on like my vision loss in like what I was going to do? Like, I have no idea. Maybe the subconscious was like, you got to just do this because of the, I don't know. Who knows? We don't know what Alicia's spirit (laughs) was thinking then, but I was decisive, (laughs) which was really cool. And so, yeah, so what was interesting was I was the one that rented the extension van, you know, not like a regular van, but like an extension van that could like we could store both 
of our stuff in there. And I was literally taking everything I owned. And she wasn't taking everything she owned because she had parents that could store stuff for her. And so that was also an interesting detail. Like, this is all of my stuff. So I picked up the truck in Providence, Rhode Island. And then I drove to Boston by myself, picked her up. And then we went to, like, a New Year's Eve party. And then the morning of, we hit the road. And we, we took, because she, she my friend had a couple friends she wanted to visit along the way. So we took, like, this really weird route they went to Memphis and hung out with Elvis's stuff in Graceland, through Kansas and Colorado, switching off driving the whole time. And then they got to Utah. And when I was driving in Utah, I just started crying. And when I was like packing and everything in Rhode Island and I like had to, you know, give notice of my apartment, I had to give notice of my job, I had to drop out of oh, school. Wow. So much. <laughs> Yeah, and like get rid of stuff and okay, do I really want this? Okay, yeah. I get rid of all these things. And um I had to give my cat um the cat that I grew up with, um I had when I was in Providence for like I don't know, 3 quarters of the time and uh I had to give that cat to my mom mm. and <laughs> there was just a couple details. Basically, I didn't figure out that I had done something really big. Yeah. And transition, like I was in a huge transition, right? Right. Until I got to Utah. <laughs> wow. There was a, a delayed response. And this is, you know, this was kind of common for me in terms of emotions. I'm more of an observer or was more of an observer as a kid and a younger adult or in terms of my younger years. And so it made sense that it. I was like all of a sudden like, oh my gosh. And so my friend was like, you got to pull over. And it happened to be in this part of the highway where it's not ideal to pull over. But she, she was like, pull over. You have to. Like, we have no choice. So we pulled over and then we sat on the curb and or like whatever. It was like a curb like section that we sat down. And I was like, <laughs> you know, <Aww>. and <laughs> she's like, what's up? And it was just like everything. Yeah. Right. There was no answer. It was yeah. like. Like, I don't even know what I said, but I knew it was, like, everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the unknown. <laughs> and I knew, like, I didn't have that much money, like, yeah. a couple hundred bucks. And then I knew I had, like, a check for, like, $300 that was going to be sent to my temporary apartment from my work. And so it was just, like, all of these, all of the uncertainty and everything just crashed. And so my friend was nice and comforting and everything. Mm -hmm. And then she took over driving. And it was just, it was actually, I think it was a relief that that happened before we actually got to San Francisco. Um, because I remember when we got to San Francisco, like we were on Haight Street and we parked uh, either after we moved all our stuff in uh, her, my friend's sister's apartment. Uh, but I remember when I parked that van that I was like, this is maybe the last time I'm going to drive. Like, I just had that feeling. I was like, this is it. I'm going to not drive. This is happening soon. And like me in the van, like, that's it. Wow. And um, I was just very conscious of it. Not in like a stressful way. And I wasn't talking about it with my friend. It was just something I just knew that it would be better because I could drive then I think it's better to make a decision when you know about something 
and be able to process it before you are forced to. Because I think, I mean, it's not possible all the time. But if you have like a suggestion of like, hey, maybe this is something you should look into or whatever. It could be related to health. It could be anything, you know, preventing any sort of struggle or any kind of like issue in the future is always a great strategy. And I was thinking randomly once in a while, like when I had my license, like I was like, this is my last like driver's license. Hmm. Wow. So I, I did I did think about it, but it didn't it wasn't something that I was like freaked out about. And I think it was because I could see well then. Yeah. So you were sort of in like an empowered place within the realm. Exactly. In control. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it's much easier to make it's uh, like if you're grounded and you're like, OK, this is the it's on my side. Like this is my decision now instead of the external, like, say, some people experience vision loss very dramatic. Right. There's an event. And so it can be very stressful. And that's because it, it happened very quickly. There was no preparation for it. And so that's a totally different situation. Um, and that is much more challenging. I want to invite you to take a breath with me. And I invite you to appreciate yourself for being here to listen to Alicia's story. This is a story about the human body and illness and disability. These are words that can make us unconsciously close down or turn away or kind of leave. When I first began working in the disability community, I was taught that sometimes we don't rush with gusto toward these concepts because being differently abled or having a chronic illness is a club that anyone can join at any time. And that's really scary. And bodies change and illness happens. And they make up some of the million transitions we go through in our lives, each one a journey. The transition from one experience of being in a body to the next experience of being in the same body that's different now is a journey. As choreographer Bill T. Jones, who, by the way, is HIV positive and who lost his partner Arnie Zane to AIDS, as he says, my body is a spiritual experience that's constantly growing and changing. I think transitions are really interesting and I tend, I've had a couple experiences where I'm kind of like the all, it's not like the all or nothing, but like deal with everything all at once. Like when I broke up with a long-term relationship, it felt I was like going through a lot. My father passed away around the same time and it was just like this thing. It was kind of like, it was a similar, very similar experience of when I was given this opportunity, like, hey, Alicia, do you want to move to San Francisco? I need to know in three days. I was given this opportunity, and then I was forced to assess my life. And my father's death was that opportunity to assess my life and how I was living it. Because when somebody passes away, 
the reflection on what how life is going with the person could me is a, a common experience and here I was forced to look at my life because yeah. my father passed away and it was a good thing. He was a Vietnam vet, alcoholic, and it was time for him to go. He had enough time on this world mm. and I'm sure he's rocking it in his next life. And so it was like relieving and everything, but still like death um, and grieving. And yeah. uh, I think the main thing about transitions is like seeking out the support you need. Mm. And talking about it with others. And sometimes we might not want to talk about it. And that might be a great time to journal just to get it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Letting yourself go through the transition and feel the feelings. Because sometimes transitions can produce or increase anxiety. Right. But that's the unknown. Mm -hmm. And the fear of unknown. And things usually work out. We have a choice, like, like go the, the fearful, anxiety-ridden, intense route and just kind of be a monster or <laughs> and not approachable. Right. Or we could, you know, go through life and experience it because there's a lot to experience and enjoy much more to experience and enjoy than than the struggles wow well thank you thank you so much for telling me the story telling us the story and the the insights that you have into it and and i just think it was so brave of you to just to just take that risk and do that move and i feel like that's very in line with the spirit of you that i know you're very bold and you're very brave you're strong. Thank you. Thank you so much, Colleen. Letting ourselves go through the transition and feel the feelings. Seeking out the support we need by talking about it with others. These are the reasons I love Alicia. She's so keyed into the essence of being human, of being vulnerable, and of being bold at the same time. Life surprised Alicia with a big change, and she took action to own that change, to flow with it, on her own terms. In a way, the cross-country drive was part of how she marked the transition, how she reinvented herself at a time when the universe had thrown her a curveball. I hope Alicia's story and spirit have inspired you to do something bold today, something maybe you're not even sure you can do. Alicia Connor is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and chef in San Francisco. She is the creator of Quick and Delish by Alicia Connor, a meal planning and cooking series on YouTube that brings wellness to people by helping them create meals that are quick, delicious, and nutritious. Learn more about her work at aliciaconnor.com. Our music is by Terry Hughes. You can follow us on IG and Twitter at Shane Pinata. You can reach us through the contact page at our website, shamepinata.com. And you can subscribe to the podcast on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite player. We'll be back in February with Season 3. I'm Colleen Thomas. Thanks for listening.